1: Everybody. welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Today, we are talking with Chester. And Chester actually wrote in with something that, you know, not in these specific words have I heard all the time, but I feel like it's something that I hear frequently, maybe from like friends or I've actually been in this situation myself. So I think this is going to be an interesting conversation that we have. So mm. Chester said, I'm trying to slow down and stay present with my separation, but I feel like after doing all of the work I'm doing, I'm still spinning my tires and I'm in purgatory. I know I can only control what I do, but my wife doesn't want to do couples therapy, isn't in love with me, and told me she wasn't attracted to me, but she doesn't want a divorce. It's like she doesn't want me and also doesn't want anyone else to have me either. Usually, I don't just like explicitly read that in detail, but I felt like you just wrote it so succinctly that I just mm. wanted to put that out there. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit more, I guess, about the separation. I mean, that's, that's my curiosity. First and foremost, that to me is, is where my interest peaks.
2: Hi, thanks for having me on, oh, by nice. the way, I was kind of, <laughs> kind of thrilled at that. Um, so the separation was, it's very amicable. We get along. Um, I think it's about, we're about 11 and a half years into the marriage. Um, and the whole time it's pretty much been, you know, we, we got married, then we bought a house, we had a kid, then we had another kid within 15 months. It was just, we went from dating to marriage, and then we are the last things on each other's
0: hmm.
2: radar at the end of the day. Hmm. And my, I'm, I'm open, I'm out there, I'm energetic the entire time. Um, but also at the same time, I'm putting those expectations before I learn about codependency, and love addiction, and all this other fun stuff I'm learning about, I'm sitting there going well, I'm doing all these things. Mm-hmm. I'm cooking and I'm cleaning. I'm taking care of the kids. I'm working from home. I have changed my career path just to make it work. And I'm not that happy. We're not that happy. Um, six years ago, there was, uh, she had an emotional affair with another woman and a physical affair with another woman. And I even forgot about that. So I, what I also learned was with depression, and anxiety, you tend to forget certain things. Like you just mm-hmm. somebody reminded me, hey, remember about this? And I had, I totally forgot about that. Hmm. Um, So the last six years, it's been trying to heal from that. So it kind of culminated last year with COVID, Mm -hmm. essentially. So it was, hey, I started this new business six months later. uh, I'm working from home anyways, but now I'm having to teach the kids from home Hmm. and run the household and everything else. And it kind of just culminated over the summer. And then boom, in uh, September, it was like, we need a freaking separation. Like, it's just like I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. Um, she's just bunkered off. Like, I don't know whatever she's feeling. Like, we just can't talk about stuff. So, um, been in and out of therapy for these last uh, six years, anyhow. And you
1: yourself, not you myself.
2: Okay, correct. We did couples, we did like three or four couple sessions six years ago. Okay, and um, it was with somebody that was recommended to me. And she didn't trust him because the recommendation came from me. So she just assumed that the therapist was always on my side, which <laughs> I can tell you was for, further, for, 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 further from the truth. Um, so since the end of September, we have thus sold the house. Um, We financially separated, we're both living in separate apartments, all the debts been paid off, like everything is,
1: you're moving forward in that, we're
2: moving forward in that area, but the relationship is just still the stagnant quagmire of I'm reaching out, but I'm also giving space Hmm. and nothing's being reciprocated. It's, hey, if you want to talk, if you want to hang out, Hmm. I'm here, do you want to do therapy? We've had some check-ins where either like I'd cook dinner at my place or she cooked dinner at her place. And there's just this awkward, silent elephant in the room of what the hell's going on. And, you know, I'm trying to be patient with the process and give her a space because she's never been allowed. Uh, growing up, she was never allowed to talk about emotions or show emotions or feel emotions. It was very, very, very bunker, bunker. We don't talk yeah. about this stuff. And I'm the one that's like, you know, I have that anxious attachment style like, hey, what's going on? You wanna, oh. you know, do, do you want advice or do you want, you know, do you want me to listen to you or do you want me to try to solve something with you? And I just don't get those answers at the same time. Yeah. So that's where that's where I'm at. <laughs>
1: There's
2: a lot to unpack, I'm sorry.
0: No, um, I, you know, I, I feel like um, it's one of those times where as I'm listening to you, I'm curious and like thinking about what I think Vanessa would say. Because <laughs> I hear you um, so much in the experience of what she's feeling, she's needing, she's she, 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 right? mm-hmm. And I'm wondering where Chester is in your life.
2: I'm in the self-discovery process. Um, I've been told by people that um, I need to start investing in myself. Mm-hmm. So hence my experience with going to therapy and doing coaching sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking with a the therapist regularly now. Um, I've made the investment to get personal training. So mm. I'm working out. And I did that before the whole thing of being told I was unattractive. But I've always felt guilty mm. about putting myself first or taking care of myself. Um, that stems from my mom getting to a really bad car accident when I was nine. My brother, my dad and I had to take care of her for like 18 months in our house. Mm-hmm. So yeah. since then it was always be performative, make sure mom's happy, make sure other people are happy be a really good social chameleon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good, like that's kind of my superpower at the same time, but I've never identified who I am in the entirety of everything. I can tell you what I do, I can yeah. tell you what I support, I can tell you what I read and like and everything else. But if you said, who are you? I'm gonna tell you, I have no freaking idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you just beautifully spoke to Exactly what was coming up for me, Chester. You know, I think, especially the way you're describing some early childhood trauma around my attachments, Um, I would imagine so early on I learned it, I learned into. I learned to, (laughs) (laughs) we'll just create a word, Um, I learned to self-abandon that dropping into the truth of how I feel in any given moment feels like a foreign language you're asking me to speak, right? And I really think that that is, to your point, a lot of where your work and your focus should maybe be right now. and, and, you know, we can talk more about like what that looks like tangibly in relationship to this marriage, but I think it's really um, like telling and important information the way you talked about, like there were, you know, parts of our story where I was just sort of like in a space of deep betray- betrayal or hurt or abandonment that I completely forgot about, you know, yeah. like I had no awareness of, and that is how much like self-abandonment will cause us to like suppress the truth of how life is feeling for me. Um, It's such a conditioned response. It's such a deeply ingrained like safety, right? Like this is survival uh, mechanisms that we're talking about that um, yeah, that I think that it, it almost becomes impossible to be in certainly this relationship but i think relationship in general mm-hmm. until i really get a firm grasp on like what do i really need and feel in this moment
1: well you can be in relationship but i don't know that it's really authentic like yeah. it's you in relationship in like a performative sense
0: absolutely um
1: attaching you know maintaining attachments for the sake of survival but not actually for the sake of fulfillment Right? Like there's no, there's no true fulfillment in those kind of relationships when you're doing it out of necessity mm. or survival, rather than doing it out of a give and take reciprocal relationship.
2: Besides having my kids, which are great. And obviously that's really awesome. I, I literally feel like I've wasted the last 11 years of my life. Mm. Cause I haven't, like there's nothing I can say I've accomplished anything or felt fulfilled in any sort of way. And saying that sucks.
0: Yeah. because it's, yeah. you
2: know, you're making it, I'm almost, you know, putting words to my actual feelings.
0: It sucks and, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think there becomes this thing of, I always quote this, this um, line from the movie, Revolutionary Road, anyone who's never seen that, Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet. Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio movie, it's excellent. Um, but Michael Sheehan's character in that movie says this thing about, you know, nobody ever forgets the truth. We just mm. get better at lying to ourselves. And I think that's true a lot of times in marriage, you know, yeah. there are all of these things that, you know, we make these vows, we sort of do the thing, we're on this track, you know, like even as you described it, we met, we started dating, we had kids, 15 months later, I had another kid. Um, it's like, I was on the train, I didn't question. I really didn't even yeah. take the time to check in with me. But if any, at any point along that journey, I had stopped and paused and really like been forced to get really, really honest. About, like, what does this feel like for Chester? I think there was always, correct me if I'm wrong, some internal knowing that this isn't fulfilling for me. This is not oh, true for me.
2: I can, I would completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. And it was always, I mean, it's, I guess the, the way I always looked at it was you check these boxes that you're, you know, hey, fulfillment, you know, marriage, kids, house, mm-hmm. career, owning your own business, check, check, check. None of those things filled my cup, kind mm-hmm. of a deal.
1: I don't think they do for anybody. Like yeah. I'm we're gonna call bullshit on, on this whole like social construct that we've been force fed, right? It's like, there are definitely some forces at play that want us to be sedated and not mm. open to what our lives could be if we actually lived into our right. potential and like demanded fulfillment, right? Demanded it from our relationships, demanded it from um, our lives, demanded yeah. it from our government, demanded it from whatever, right? Like. It's, it's it's kind of a thing that I've heard from so many people. It's like, holy shit, I blinked my eyes. How did I get here? I'm fucking miserable. I did all the things. Where is my pot of gold? Right. Mm.
0: Like, there's like
1: this feeling of like exactly. being very betrayed almost. I love
0: that you said sedated V because it's literally, it's so true. And we cannot live in a capitalist society without being a little bit unhappy so that mm-hmm. we are... You know, motivated to buy something, right? Um, and, and there's a lot more at play to this picket fence, this mm-hmm. life that we're supposed to dream of and not question and not um, step outside of the boundaries of, and I think that's really, really true that, you know, when we do question, when we do want more, not only um, does it force us to have to do something about it, but it makes those around us really uncomfortable, you'll notice, right? It's mm-hmm
2: the process of selling our house bought our home like 11 12 and a half years ago and then obviously the home markets are crazy so we sold the house and my mom was like why can't you just stay in the house like what's the big deal I'm like it's a freaking house it's the Mm -hmm. it's an asset i don't care at the end of the day i don't care Mm -hmm. like my sanity is worth more than lumber and cement and stucco Mm -hmm. and everything else and you know in this process of um being forced to sit with myself and have these two or five days at a time where I'm it's just me and my dog Mm. um like how like I'm trying to fill it up because I don't feel patient with the process either like you feel really uncomfortable so you're like okay distract myself distract myself therapy and coaching and reading Mm -hmm. that's fulfilling okay but I always feel like I'm wanting more. You said before
1: we got on the phone that your Mondays and Tuesdays are jam packed Yeah, and they're jam packed with coaching and therapy and all the great self-betterment things. How much time to actually sit in silence with yourself? Are you giving yourself if you're back to back with self-betterment all day long?
2: I'm at this fork in the road where like, how much can I possibly take in and not actually put into tangible results? Right. And going to the personal training thing was huge for me. Like just taking that step and doing something for myself. Like that was huge. Mm -hmm. My next thing is I'm trying to schedule this solo vacation by myself. Love it. And I've heard this talked around um, many times for many people and how of this, it was just this eye-opening experience. Every time I had to plan a vacation, it was you know, as a kid friendly, mm-hmm. are we going to do this? Who's going to watch the dogs? What's going to all this other stuff? And now I literally can just, my parents can watch my dog, and then I can just go. I don't, I'm not beholden for a certain five, you know, two or five day periods. And I feel so uncomfortable thinking about scheduling a vacation for myself. I want to do it. I'm there. I'm going to cage diving with sharks. Mm. Um, the big trip is in 2022. Oh, wow. And that's like four grand. And that's already booked out for this year. So that's later hey, I can go to LA or San Diego for a day or for like a weekend and chart or something. And I'm sitting there going, I'm like, I got the websites, I got this, and then I just can't pull the trigger, so to speak. And it is the weirdest thing because I, I want to plan and I want to do all these things. And it's such a hard, I've been imprinted for so long not to make decisions for myself
0: mm. and only
2: for myself. I can't, that's the next hump that I can't get over.
0: Okay, Chester. I want to ask you to do something for me because I feel like there's always like when I am in resistance to moving forward, when I am in resistance to stepping into some next step of myself or my power, there's always a fear, right? There's some sort of boogeyman in the closet that um, I don't want to open the closet and expose, right? So I want you to walk us through the fears that come up, right? Like let's play the tape through on all the worst case scenarios that come up when I think about this marriage being completely done, when I think about, you know, me choosing to do life with Chester and Chester alone, um, I want you to just go into it for a minute and let us let us dive into the closet
2: together.
1: Danae is much more eloquent than I am because I was just about to be like, what are you afraid of? <laughs>
2: I don't, I, I think I actually know, but it's hard for me to actually talk, say it. Um, marriage wise, if, if this marriage ended in a divorce or we work, Got back and worked together. I'm completely fine either way. Excuse wait, me. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, we gotta stop. Like, <laughs> okay. It sounds weird, but I am at the point of almost apathy.
1: Or... Right, but that's not that's not I'm actually okay with it. That's I'm apathetic. They're very different. Oh, okay. well, and there's a fear there. with it. yeah, there's there's a fear that's keeping you apathetic.
2: Okay. You guys are much smarter than me when it comes to this, obviously I know this. It's not Um, that, it's just that
0: it's not our (laughs) lives, right? Like of course the fears that are about our own lives, Vanessa and I would have the same response. Um, And someone standing on the outside can see what's happening a little bit clearly with some distance, Mm -hmm. clearer with some distance, excuse me. So what I want you to stay in, take a breath for me first, Chester, because I can see in your body a little bit of what's happening, yeah. So this marriage is over. I want you to sit in that reality for a moment and I want you to tell me about the fears that brings up. We are not getting back together. There will be no future between the two of us. What does that bring to the surface for you?
2: I'll explain and maybe we can put a label on that feeling but what the first thing that came to my mind is obviously we would divorce and she does all the shit that she could have easily done in our marriage. And she does that with somebody like right away. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the only thing, am I allowed to swear? To, yeah, is this? I okay? Swear I, I and the only thing I want to say is like, what the fuck, how come you didn't fucking choose me? Type of deal. Like mm-hmm. that's the first thing they fair. And I know that's probably fear of abandonment um, as I, I want to have that life partner, that twin flame partnership. Hey, we are individuals. We're, to, you know, we're together, but we're still, you know, it's like a symbiotic relationship kind of deal. Like that's my idea of what I would put on a relationship. And I think the thought of her doing all those things that I've always wanted her to do, that I've always told her I wanted to do, having her do that with somebody else, it either would be not right away, but whenever, like that would just piss me off to no end.
1: I think it would do more than piss you off. I think it's going to confirm to you a belief that you have that you weren't worth her doing it with or for.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's the, yeah. Like I would feel unlovable type of deal. Even though I know I'm not, I mean, I understand, I understand, but but just being me wasn't enough for her
0: for her, I really want you to sit in that truth for a moment. For her, mm-hmm. which PS has absolutely nothing to do with you. hmm You know, each of us comes from our own family of origin, our own wounds, our own experiences, our own defenses. The two of you were attracted to one another, I believe for very specific reasons to heal very specific hurts throughout your life, right? And so um, I think we are often attracted to the person that validates for us this inner feeling of, I am not worthy of love, right? Until we heal that aspect Mm -hmm. of ourselves. So I say that to say, I think you chose your, and I'm gonna say ex-wife, I think you chose your ex-wife in an attempt to heal that part of you that needed to be healed, right? So that you would have that like in your face, glaring experience of not enoughness so that you would have to confront it. So that you would have to stand up to it and make another choice, if that makes sense. Every day that you stay in this ambivalence, every day that you stay in this space of either way I'd be fine, you are like blocking all of the love from the person who like with wide open arms is like, Chester, I just want to love you with every ounce of my being. That is the dream I dream of like us walking this journey together, swimming in cages (laughs) with sharks or whatever that, how else you feel compelled to do but it's about choosing you first. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about you saying to yourself, I was always lovable,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that, that child within me that felt like I needed to source that externally, that child didn't understand that worth is my birthright. I came into this body worthy. There's no one else that I ever need to give me
1: that truth. It's already there. I also know that that sometimes can feel easier said than done, right? I mean, I I think it is this idea of, there's the concept that Danae just so beautifully put out there and it's not just a concept, it's like a knowing that we have, but maybe it's not like a knowing that we have, it's like there, like, yeah, I know that, I know that I'm lovable, I know, right? But like to really know it, and for those who can't see me, I'm doing like a full body knowing, right? Not just like a cognitive knowing. It does actually show up in our tangible choices that we make every single day. Mm. So my challenge to you is the next time you reach out to say, how are you? Checking in. What's going on? Do you want to get together? Do you want to talk about us? Do you want to schedule this? Do you, do you, do you, do you, 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 you? You gotta pause. You gotta pause.
2: Because she's already made that choice because if she would have wanted to, she would have done it by now.
0: And every time you reach out though, what V is saying is that is self abandonment in action. You are
1: proving to yourself over and over and over again in micro moments, your narrative that you are not worth it, that you are not lovable because this person And I'm not saying it's anything bad about her. It's what Danae said, right? Like unconsciously, you guys have kind of come into this together. This person's role, at least right now in your life, is to prove to you that narrative. And so you keep touching the hot stove over and over and over and over again. Still hot. Ah, God, it is it is. still hot? Let me touch it again. Yes. Is it still hot? Yes. Let me touch it again. Right. And so in those micro moments, you're just proving that same narrative to yourself over and over again. And it is a little bit of fake it till you make it. This whole idea of self-love, I really do believe it is fake it till you make it. Like if you understand the concept of reaching out to her is proving this narrative to myself, therefore I'm going to really pay attention to when I want to reach out, why I want to reach out right? Maybe I'm going to breathe through the discomfort of wanting to, and instead I'm going to do something for myself, like go work out, right? Or like do something with my kids or whatever. And I'm going to allow that moment to pass. Each one of those micro moments, you actually then are flipping the script. And it's through those micro moments that you're actually giving yourself an embodied experience of, I'm not reproving to myself that narrative. It's not just like this magical, oh, now I understand and accept this idea of I am lovable. It would be great if it happened like that, if we only had magic wands, but that's just not how it happens for so many of us. And I say so many of us, cause I connect to you on a very, like I can see the logical mind. I can see how you protect yourself through doing mm-hmm. right. Through being of service, through being needed, through being like, I'll be okay either way. That's true, you will be okay either way. But do you wanna just be okay? I don't think you do.
2: I don't think anybody wants to be just okay.
1: We didn't come into this
0: life to just be okay. Yeah. And you know, what I think I heard you articulating V that I, I have found in my own life to be really true, Chester, is self-esteem is a muscle that we build yes. by keeping the promises we make to ourselves, period. Mm -hmm. and so it you know like when I hear you say fake up till you make it a little bit it's like start acting as if you are worthy of your own love and watch how it starts to feel true as you put that practice in action right like with your workouts like when I do the thing I set out to do I start to feel proud of myself I start to be like I did that right and then it motivates
1: you to move forward yeah it shifts the way
0: I feel about myself but when I don't pick up the phone or I say, you know what, I don't deserve this. I deserve to love me. And so I'm gonna go do something that feels really nurturing and good and fulfilling for me instead of picking up that phone and asking for someone to love me, I'm gonna love me. Then I prove to myself that I'm worthy of love. That is what that looks like tangibly in action. But every time I make the other choice and I pick up the call and I touch the stove, it like reaffirms that part of me that doesn't believe I'm worthy of love.
2: Is there a reason why I keep on in theory touching that stove is just like, Oh, I'm proving my point over and over again. And I want to live in the trauma or whatever.
0: I mean, a lot of that's that's repetition compulsion, right? Like I think we, we traumatize ourselves until we build the muscle of doing something different. I think that is why Vanessa and I are so strongly saying you've got to like build the muscle of making a different choice.
2: And that would be then that's with me not being patient with that process. It's only been six months, right? It's not, This is not a this is a marathon kind of a deal it's not a sprint this is a
1: lifelong marathon. yeah i'm not going to have that (laughs) epiphany
2: moment in the rom-com where like oh my god i got struck by lightning here we go yeah and i think for me it's a lot of a being patient issue or hey i'm spinning my tires well maybe that's just me not being present in the moment and slowing the f down in the first place it's
1: possible i mean i think also we have to be able to give ourselves a little bit of compassion and like credit because I do think that we're so trained to think that like it has to come in these big, shiny packages that have glitter and fucking balloons coming out of them, right, to be real and tangible. Whereas, like I said, in that one moment that you decide not to text her and ask her how she's doing and instead you do something for yourself, that's actually progress. Yeah. That actually is the process. Okay. The other thing is just,
0: I think Chester really not, attaching to um, feelings as facts, right? Yeah. I miss her right now, that is how I feel right now. Period. No. That is not how I will feel when I wake up tomorrow, right? I feel lonely now, that is a feeling. Feelings pass. It is not the fact of who I am, my life in this moment. I actually have a lot of community and things that are enriching me and you know, ways that I'm moving forward. Those are actually the truth, but this is a feeling and it will leave if I just give the wave Time to pass and move through me. But when we attach to, like, I miss her, this must be back. I, <laughs> oh, I gotta get back together with the right. No. Can I stay in the discomfort of the feeling, knowing this is just a feeling that will not last forever? Yeah.
2: The two biggest things I've learned in the last, I would say, the last, really the last year is uh, Dan Harmon, the guy that created and wrote and voiced Rick and Morty, he said, uh, the feelings you feel are real, but they're not your reality. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I always try to remind myself. And then the thing that I've completely stolen from Danae, and mm-hmm. have told a lot of my friends is like, if it's, if it's meant for you, it's going to stay. If it's not meant for you, it's not, not going to happen. Right. And so, and I, and, I, and I think about like, I have those quotes, like just every notebook I have, I kind of put them in the front cover or they, mm-hmm. I take a dry erase marker and write in my bathroom mirror type of deal. And those have helped me Mm-hmm. along with obviously with the training and the therapy mm-hmm. sessions and the coaching and stuff to where I don't have those manic moments of, oh my God, I need to feel love right now. I'm going to text. And the mm-hmm. more and more, like even in the last week, the more and more times I've thought about reaching out and I haven't, I'm going to just let them sit and be. And either I can, and I can feel those feelings and realize, hey, it's part of the process. Um, just in that last week of us communicating and kind of going back on the subject, I've, I've felt that progress more. Mm -hmm. but i realize it's something that i'm like vanessa said going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life in some sort of context or another with whatever person or another Mm -hmm. and it's but yeah i have a hard time being self-compassionate so that might be a whole other thing because that's the other thing is like why isn't this happening you're putting in the work in why aren't you know you need to work harder you need to train harder you do need another class you need to
1: that's very heady Right. Oh yeah, we, got, oh, we gotta remember it's very heady, and really just doing that is just just uh, it's furthering our ability to hide. And so mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with seeking out information and knowledge, right? But when it becomes an, a way for us to hide,
2: mm-hmm. then
1: it's a little bit of a questioning that we have to we have to get into questioning. I guess is what I'm saying. And and this idea of self-compassion again, it's a muscle that we do have to build, right? And for many of us, it's very atrophied. And I would say that giving yourself credit in those micro moments is actually the way you slowly start to build that self-compassion muscle, right? And also giving yourself, when, when you do the thing, when you're like, oh my God, this feeling is too strong, I have to act on it. And so you do, and so you pick up the Jack Daniels. There's also a moment where you have to say at the end, you know what, that was really fucking hard and I picked up the Jack Daniels and it doesn't mean that I'm like back to square one. It just means like, I gotta sit with this be kind to myself. Do some reflecting. Like I did the thing. My life's not over. I didn't die. I did the thing. It's given me more information. Okay. Now, now, how do I move forward? Yeah. Right.
2: My um, my biggest thing is like you said. Like I mean, behind me, I've got books and books. And you go around my place, and there's media all over yeah. the place. Like, give me all the information. Yeah. Um, that's the. When you have a history degree, that's good. Yeah. That's your life. There's um, and knowledge.
1: <laughs> yeah. My my
2: biggest thing is getting out of my head i'm an exactly. you know, that's classic overthinking that's mm-hmm. classic just overfunctioning. Everything. oh my god yeah yeah and you know and that's where you, and that's when you overthink about the overthink i'm like is there something actually like is there a, an actual label i need to put on this like is you know would that be adhd or would that be some sort of whatever else yeah. it is and yeah. then you sit there going like holy crap like i've i've learned slowly to help myself not spiral into those uh was it rabbit holes i guess so to speak mm-hmm but that's still my biggest thing is getting, out, getting the hell out of my head.
0: So you know what I heard Vanessa saying that I just wanna reiterate um, as we wrap up Chester is that when she says hide, what I hear is distract. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what you're doing is staying in your head space to avoid feeling your feelings right mm-hmm. so i really want to suggest as much as you can start to bring a practice of stillness into your life mm-hmm. i don't know what you have in terms of a meditation practice um i would suggest really increasing that right allowing yourself to start to be in the space of observing versus doing yeah thinking okay. yeah um and just allowing yourself to sit with yourself and yes Self-compassion is absolutely a practice, a muscle as well. You get to be a work in progress. This is six months in, be gentle with yourself. What you feel right now is not what you will feel six months from now, yeah? true. So you get to feel what you feel. It's perfect,
2: okay? And I haven't celebrated the progress I've made in the last six months or a year either. And that's the bigger, that's the that's other thing. That's challenge that I'm like, for you. Like when, you, when I talk to my friends, I'm like, hey, look at all the stuff you've done in the last three months. You're, you know, went from this, now you're dating yeah. and you're happy. And they say, well, look at you, look what you've done. I'm like, I haven't felt like I've done shit. I know I have, but I haven't felt that way. So again, it's all in the head. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Meditation practice, right? So finding stillness, recognizing those baby steps, putting words to the baby steps, noticing the feelings that are coming up and how quickly we jump to act on them like they're fact right? And challenging ourselves to just sit and let it pass. These are all these like small, but not so small things that we do to build these muscles and you're doing them. You just needed us to kind of put them, I guess, more into words, reflect it back to you, remind you of some stuff. um, And now you get to keep going, you know,
2: just keep swimming,
1: just keep swimming, just keep swimming. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah appreciate you coming on. This is, this is a great conversation. Very much
0: appreciated. Yeah. Keep in touch with us. Let us know how you're doing and maybe we'll, we'll have you come back in a little bit. You we will we
2: never go. have a, you won't have a problem with me over communicating with you guys. So, yeah, that's,
1: yeah. Good. We're, co- we're going to have you back on in a couple months and check in on you. Deal. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you
0: enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett. And at Danae logan Sulkin.